This is TechCrunch. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Brought to you by Acquia, the trusted platform for open digital experiences. Acquia is made for Drupal, and it powers websites, applications, and online experiences for some of the world's largest brands. Build, design, and run digital experiences quickly and easily at Acquia.com. That's A-C-Q-U-I-A dot com. How to Decode a Data Breach Notice by Zach Whitaker Over the years, I've seen hundreds, probably thousands of data breach notifications warning that a company's data was lost, stolen, or left online for anyone to grab. Most of them look largely the same. It's my job to decode what they actually mean for the victims whose information is put at risk. Data breach notifications are meant to tell you what happened, when, and what impact it may have on you. You've probably already seen a few this year. That's because most U.S. states have laws that compel companies to publicly disclose security incidents, like a data breach, as soon as possible. Europe's rules are stricter, and fines can be a common occurrence if breaches aren't disclosed. But data breach notifications have become an all-too-regular exercise in crisis communications. These notices increasingly try to deflect blame, obfuscate important details, and omit important facts. After all, it's in a company's best interest to keep the stock markets happy, investors satisfied, and regulators off their backs. Why would it want to say anything to the contrary? The next time you get a data breach notification, read between the lines. By knowing the common bullshit lines to avoid, you can understand the questions you need to ask. I'm going to give you nine pretty typical lines that you'll see in one of these notifications and then tell you what it really means. Number one, we take security and privacy seriously. Read, we clearly don't. A phrase frequently featured in data breach notifications, we first wrote about companies taking security and privacy seriously, quote-unquote, last year. We found that about one-third of all notices filed with the California Attorney General in 2019 had some variation of this line. The reality is most companies have shown little compassion or care about the privacy or security of your data, but do care about having to explain to their customers that their data was stolen. It's a hollow, overused phrase that means nothing. Next, we recently discovered a security incident. Read, someone else found it, but we're trying to do damage control. It sounds innocuous enough, but it's an important remark to get right. When a company says they've recently discovered a security incident, ask who actually reported the incident. All too often, it's a reporter, like me, who's reached out for comment because a hacker dropped off a file containing their customer database, and now the company is scrambling to take ownership of the incident because it looks better than the company being in the dark. Next, an unauthorized individual, 
read, We don't know who's to blame, but don't blame us. This is one of the most contentious parts of a data breach notification, and it boils down to a simple question. Who was to blame for a security incident? Legally speaking, unauthorized access means someone unlawfully broke into a system, often using someone else's password or bypassing a login screen. But companies often get this wrong, or can't or don't want to, distinguish between whether or not an incident was malicious. If a system was exposed or left online without a password, you'd blame the company for lax security controls. If a good-faith security researcher finds and reports an unprotected system, for example, there's no reason to paint them as a malicious actor. Companies love to shift the blame, so keep an open mind. Next, we took immediate steps. Read, we sprung into action as soon as we found out. Hackers aren't always caught in the act. In a lot of cases, most hackers are long gone by the time a company learns of a breach. When a company says it took immediate steps, don't assume it's from the moment of the breach. Equifax said it acted immediately to stop its intrusion, which saw hackers steal nearly 150 million consumers' credit records, but hackers had already been in its system for two months before Equifax found the suspicious activity. What really matters is, when did the security incident start, when did the company learn of the security incident, and when did the company inform regulators of the breach? Next, our forensic investigation shows, read, we asked someone to tell us how fucked we are. Incident responders help to understand how an intrusion or a data breach happened. It helps the company collect on cyber insurance and prevent a similar breach happening again. But some companies use the term forensics loosely. Internal investigations are not transparent or accountable, and their outcomes are rarely scrutinized or published, whereas incident responders are independent, qualified assessors that will tell a company what it needs to hear and not what it wants to hear, even if their findings may still remain private. Next, out of an abundance of caution, we want to inform you of the incident. Read, we were forced to tell you. Don't think for a second that a company is doing the right thing by disclosing a security incident. In the U.S. and Europe, companies aren't given a choice. Most states have some form of a data breach notification law that compels companies to disclose incidents that affect a certain number of residents and above. Failing to disclose a breach can lead to massive penalties. Just look at Yahoo, which, like TechCrunch, is owned by Verizon, which was fined $35 million in 2018 by a U.S. federal regulator for failing to disclose one of its data breaches that saw 500 million user accounts stolen. Next, a sophisticated cyber attack. Read, we're not trying to look as stupid as we actually are. Just because a company says it was hit by a sophisticated cyber attack doesn't mean it was. It's hyperbole designed to serve as a cover-your-ass statement to downplay a security incident. What it really tells you is that the company has no idea how the attack happened. After all, some of the biggest breaches in history happened because of unpatched systems, weak passwords, or because someone clicked on a malicious email. Next, there is no evidence that data was taken. Read, that we know of. No evidence doesn't mean that something hasn't happened, it's that it hasn't been seen yet. Either the company isn't looking hard enough or it doesn't know. 
Even if a company says it has no evidence that data was stolen, it's worth asking how it arrived at that conclusion. And finally, a small percentage of our customers are affected. Read, it sounds way worse if we say millions of users. The next time you see a data breach notification that says only a small percentage of customers are affected by a breach, take a minute to think what that actually means. Hallows admitted a data breach in January 2019 in which it said some of our user data was taken. Months later, a hacker posted some 57 million Hows user records. CBS-owned LastFM also said in 2012 that, quote-unquote, some of its passwords were stolen in a breach. It later amounted to 43 million passwords. If a company doesn't tell you how many people are affected, it's because they don't know or they don't want you to know. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.